Mary has already been given the wonderful news that she will be the, the host that God has chosen to bring forth his son Jesus into the world. Mary has, has taken it quite, quite shockingly. Gabriel said, hold, hold, don't be, don't be afraid. Blessed art thou among women. And we get to look at Mary's response today in verse 39 where it says, And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste. Unto a city of Judah, <coughs> excuse me, and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe, being John, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, and whence is this to me? That the mother of my Lord should come to me. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ear, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believeth, believed, for there shall be a performance of, the, of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. And behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. For his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has holden his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode and with, and with her about three months and returned to her own house. My soul doth magnify the Lord. Heavenly Father, bless this day. Lord, thank you for the ability to gather the Lord freely together and serve you and praise you. God, help us to not grow callous or expectant toward this, Lord. But help it to continue to baffle and wonder us as we come before in your presence, in your throne room, in the holiest of holies, your children, fellowshipping with you. Blessed day, I ask in your name. Amen. Be seated. <coughs> My soul doth magnify the Lord. Magnification. I love it. I, I've yet to see a young child or young adult, and sometimes grown adults, lose the wonder of what big magnifying glasses can do. Man, I, I used to love growing up around my grandpa. Uh, he, he had magnifying glasses and magnifying glasses, and I mean, he had bunches of them. And they all had different purposes. As a man who studied rocks and as a man who enjoyed looking at soil samples, he had all sizes, all kinds. And you know how wonderful they are in, around an anthill. 
you ever use a magnifying glass, those big red ant hills, pop. Man, it's so much fun. But the, the idea behind a magnifying glass is that it takes a, a thing that is easy to see when looked through it. But when you remove that magnifying glass, there's, there's some heartache, there's some hardship involved in trying to see the details. It takes what, what cannot be quite seen and blows up to proportion. Now, I want to get this definition to you, but also out of the way. Because although that is what other people think this means, it doesn't necessarily fit the context of what Mary is saying in this passage. It does give the example and it does give credence to the idea that, that Mary's attitude here shows more of God, but it, it, it's not exactly what that word meant in this context. See, we know the word magnify as magnification. But in this, in this setting, the, the illustration she is using here is one of praise, where it's not that her, her own actions, her own thoughts do bring more light to God. It is that her own actions are a praise and a result of what God has done for her. You see, we look at other religions and they get Mary's role wrong. They say, oh, she is blessed among women. She is, she is holy. She is righteous. She is to be worshipped. That's not right. She is, she's not the Mary, the mother of Jesus, that, that whole religions worship as our intercessor. We don't require her involvement she had a purpose she had a a a role in god's greater vision but people look at that and they say oh she she brought magnification to god so we could see him better not not so no the the word magnify here and i just wanted to define it before we get into the whole passage the word magnify here is praise is glory is giving of praise to the Lord, not because of what Mary did, but because of what God has done. With that mindset, let's hop right into it. We see here that we find the wonderful news being given to Mary in the past verses, where Gabriel comes in, he says, hey, you are chosen, blessed are you among women, hail, thy highly favored of the Lord, in verse 28, thou art blessed among women. We see here that in verse 29, when Mary saw him, she was troubled and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. The wonderful news. We know the wonderful news that Mary had received in this announcement. That she had been chosen by God to be the host for the miracle that is the virgin birth. However, it isn't the news of the messenger we should be focusing on today. It's, it's, it's a great thing to look at this and say, it's wonderful how Mary's been given this privilege. But remember, the context of the Bible is about the person it's written about. And the Bible's context in its totality from beginning to end is written about God. And his love toward us. So in this section, although we, we, we want to, to look at, at Mary and how blessed she is, we need to realize that what was the greatest part about Mary wasn't that she was chosen of God. It was her response. It was why she was chosen of God and how she responded to the gift that God gave her. Because let's be honest, everyone responds to good news differently. 
So evil, some folks smile. Some folks cry. Some folks are baffled and they have no idea what to do with their emotions. Some people, quite frankly, just stare at you blank-eyed, having no idea what you really said. But regardless of how we process good news, the most important thing that is our response. And our responses are proof in our actions. We see Mary in the past few verses receiving the good news of our Savior that the whole world would be blessed through her involvement of the birth of Jesus. Her status of virginity would be no limitation to God, but in fact an avenue that God will use to bring forth a sinless son into a sin-filled world. The news being fantastic as it is, it deserved a response. Do you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about uh, Zechariah. His good news he was given. The man is just doing his job in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, putting incense on the altar, and he got some good news. Congrats, you're going to be a papa. You're going to be a dad. You've waited a long time for this. You and your wife have, have faithfully served, and now God is blessing in this way. And I bring that to light because I, I, I want you to notice the end of, of the first part of chapter 1. We see in, in the very middle that Zacharias, we know that his answer toward the news was a response that got him what? In trouble. He lost his ability to speak because of his response. Can, can, we, can we agree that the response of God's blessing on our lives matter? The response that we give back to God matters. Put yourself in the position of someone giving good news. The response matters. You know what's happening next week? Christmas. There's going to be a lot of different responses to presents. Some are going to smile. Some are going to cry. Some are a lot of different responses. I, I, I'd be lying if I, if I said I wasn't excited to see the faces of, of my, my wife as she opens her presents. I, I make it a habit every year to get something, something sentimental, you know, something sweet, but also something super goofy. I think the last year it was like a, a, a book to read of like, of like corny jokes, but it was, it was meant to be read in, in, in the bathroom. It was like bathroom humor. Imagine that as a Christmas gift. That's the kind of stuff I give. Corny, funny. I will pick on her real quick and let you know that the reason you're not getting Christmas cards this year from us is because we didn't have a photo. And I told her I could draw some stick figures up real quick. And then I put an arrow and said, David, and an arrow for Bethany. We can give them out. But she said no. Something about blah, 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 not professional. <laughs> but the response that we see Toward God's blessings. We have two different ones here. Zacharias looks to, he says, hey, in verse 28, he says unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. His response to the good news was one of unbelief. One of doubt. One of, hey, hey, how can this be because of my situation? But then we see here inside of, of, of verse, uh, <coughs> sorry, in verse 33, where the angel is talking to Mary and says, And he, being Jesus, shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom shall, be no, shall there be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not 
a man. I want you to notice the this, this, this small difference in Mary's attitude. We see it confirmed in verse 38. But Mary's response to this good news wasn't one of, I, I can't. I am, I am limited by my uh, current position. It was one of curiosity saying, how are you going to do this? It was one of, uh, of wonder, of I believe this will happen, but how are you going to do this? Because we see the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And in verse 38, Mary says, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Mary's response versus Zechariah. The, the answer from Zechariah was, I, this, this isn't quite possible. I am well stricken in years. My wife is, is well stricken in years. How shall this be? It's one of doubt. Whereas Mary's response was one of curiosity. One of, of well, how will you do this? Not how can you do this. How will you do this? And in the end, she said, be it unto me according to thy word. Now that's where we, we, we start today's uh, context is Mary receiving that news. And what does she do? Well, let's talk about that. We see here out of verse 39 that there's Mary's obedience to God and God's confirmation of his blessing on her life. You look and you remember that the, the angel had told her that Elizabeth was pregnant and that she was about six months along with her son. And he says, who was called barren? So Mary had knowledge that Elizabeth was having a child. And so it makes, it makes total sense that Mary would obey the word of God, would receive that blessing and given to her. And her response would be, yes, Lord, I believe it. Show me how it will be done and I will follow you. And the word of the Lord blessed her in that way. But then Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste. Why? Well, to see Elizabeth. The only other person who would understand a miraculous birth. Remember Joseph, when he heard the news, he was being a just man, put her away privately. Being a very, very kind and just man, he, he kept it to himself. But Mary needed someone to talk to, and God has supplied that six months before through Elizabeth. So Mary gets up, and she goes to see Elizabeth, and she says, and, and she, and she uh, uh, saluted her. Now, the contrast between uh, Zechariah's unbelieving mindset to the news of the miracle of John's birth, Mary instead steps out in obedience to God's will, then Mary journeys in the only other person that, who would understand her situation. And God uses Elizabeth to confirm to Mary that he is indeed doing a great work in her life. Aren't we glad we have a God who confirms who he is to us? Aren't we glad we serve a God who, who when he, he calls us to do things, he gives confirmation? But I want you to notice the confirmation from Elizabeth where he, she goes and, and, and uh, she's filled with the Holy Ghost. That she's Mary. And that, that confirmation that she gives out in verse 34 saying, uh, verse 33, sorry, verse 42, 40, 30, 20. We'll get there. Verse 42 where, where uh Elizabeth, being filled with the Holy Ghost, that, that, that indwelling spirit that we have, shouted out, Blessed art thou among women. Man, you, you can see uh, Elizabeth and her excitement and her, her joy of seeing Mary and, and of John inside of her, feeling that presence of the one he would go forth and say, 
he's coming. Prepare ye the way. The excitement, the indwelling spirit, the Holy Spirit filled Elizabeth and, and gave her that voice of prophecy for the simple purpose of confirming in Mary's heart that God would do what he said. I'm glad to serve a God that, that, that six months prior prepared a way for Mary to be comforted in this time where she had to be silent and troubled, but obedient. I want to notice one thing real fast before we move on to this, this point. Mary's obedience came before God's confirmation. Mary obeyed, God confirmed. Too many Christians spend their lives waiting for God's confirmation to obey. Too many Christians spend their lives knowing that God has a plan for themselves and knowing that, of course, he, he loves me. Of course, he, he died for me. Of course, he did great things for me. And of course, I should serve him. But I need confirmation first. I need that proof. That was Zechariah's downfall. Was saying, where's, where's the proof of this? Where's the proof? Whereas Mary, her response to this news was one of obedience. And God responded in confirmation. You'll see that it changes Mary's internal mindset. And whence is, is this to me, verse 43, this is Elizabeth talking still. The mother of my Lord should come to me. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ear, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. They, they understood it. They got it that, that the Savior has come. That, that, that Mary is bearing the one who would change the world. The one who would save not only those who are past, but those who are future. The one who would pay for all sin debt as he uh, comes to redeem the world with his sinless self. Verse 46. Mary said... And you can hear the relief. You can hear the, the stress draining away. You can hear Mary's attitude as she said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. Mary's obedience and God's confirmation led to Mary's response and her, Mary's praise toward God because of his works toward her. Upon hearing the Holy Spirit's confirmation through Elizabeth to Mary's own wondering heart, Mary rejoiced in the blessings of God in her life and praised Him for the mercy and care toward a humble woman as she calls herself one of low estate. Isn't that like God, though? To choose those who are of low estate? I want to point out real quick. Mary obviously still had doubts. That's why she went to see Elizabeth. She still was wondering, not, not uh, uh, will God do this, but how will God do this? She's still wondering in her heart, is, is it true? Am I going crazy? And she needed that confirmation, and God has supplied that. But when she went, she, she had a relief. Notice her, her attitude toward obeying God didn't change, but she still had some doubts that God had provided through the Holy Spirit's indwelling of Elizabeth, provided relief and confirmation for. Can I say to you real quick today that faith, isn't, faith is not obedience without doubt, but is rather obeying regardless of doubt. 
That's how it works in the Christian world, is that we all have our doubts. No one's perfect, right? No one's perfect? Anybody here perfect? Nobody? Okay. No one's perfect. We all have our doubts. <laughs> if one of you were to tell me, hey, there's, uh, there's happening today at 2 o'clock, you're going to receive a car free. Whoa, what kind of car? A 2023 model. Just got put together last bolt last week. It's going to be inside of the church parking lot at 5. Guess where I'm going to be at 5? The church parking lot. But until 5.01, I'm going to wonder, is someone pulling my leg? (laughs) Why? We have doubts. We have concerns. We're a limited creature. And our our thoughts and our our obedience is limited by our understanding. There are some times that God asks us to do things we don't understand. Lord says, do this, and you, uh, why? That makes no sense. But we obey, and we do it. It made no sense to Mary that she would somehow bring forth a child knowing no man, but she trusted that God would do it, and her trust led to her actionable obedience. And then God supplied the confirmation. Too many Christians, they, 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 they don't step out in faith and they don't step out in obedience and instead they limit themselves by their doubts. But then there are those that do great things for God regardless of proof. They step out and regardless of all the doubts in their mind, all, all, all the indwelling fears they have, they step out and trust God with blind faith that he will do what he has called them to do and he will supply all his needs. Elizabeth being six months along, she would bring comfort to Mary's heart. I love it. Mary's obedience to God. And Mary rejoiced after that confirmation in the blessings of God in her life and praised God for his mercy and care toward a humble woman of low estate. My soul doth magnify, doth praise the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. And behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. I love it. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Mary understood it now. She saw, she saw God's confirm, God confirmation in her, 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 her life. She saw um, God finally ease all her doubts, all her worries, all her fears, and he, he sent a comforter to her that would give her the ability to understand that God was indeed providing in this miraculous way. And her response to that was, Lord... How wonderful you are. How how great you are in my life. As lowly as I am. Remember the whole context of the Bible is about God. This isn't about Mary. This isn't about what what, what she is having, what, what, what part she's having in God's plan. This is about God's fulfillment of his promise to us. 
that he would send forth a savior born of a virgin who would die for the sins of all mankind, past, present, future, so that we might be redeemed unto him one day, sinless and spotless, covered in the blood, and before him saying, thank you, Lord. My soul doth praise the Lord. How do we respond to God's care towards us? You know, Mary goes on from verses 47 down to 56, shouting out praises unto God, showing that he is indeed great to her and to those to come. And he, she keeps on saying that his strength, his mercy, his greatness, his powerfulness, his wonderful fatherhood to us. We'll read it here where she says that for he is mighty hath done in me great things and holy is his name. For 51, he has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the, in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low decree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He is the God who takes care of those who he loves and he loves all. He takes care of those who have needs and those who have, have wants. He's a God who supplies what his, his children and his servants need. He's a God that sends his love down to those who are undeserving. The, in verse 54 it says, He hath holden his servants. Holpen. It's an old way of saying helped. You'll find it inside of the, 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 the Psalms, the Proverbs. Daniel says it. It's an old, old word that simply means helped. He has helped his servants, Israel, in remembrance of his mercy. And he has spake to our fathers, to Abraham, to his seed forever. Remember God calling out Abraham from Ur of the Chaldees, middle of nowhere, desert dweller, a man who God said, pack up, follow me, and he did. God said, I will bless them that bless you, I will curse them that curse you, and you shall all generations of my children come from. I will make you as the sand upon the sea, on the beach. That's God's promise to his people that he will bless those who praise him. He is a God of power and might, a God who raises up whom he wishes, a God who puts down who he chooses. He is a God whose abilities are not limited, whose desires are unbendable, and he has chosen the humble and the weak to do the mighty works. He looks out the whole of creation and he chooses a woman engaged to a carpenter. I love it. You know how great other nations were around Israel at this time? Israel is under the conquered rule of Rome. They're not exactly the power they were under David. They're not exactly the, the great feared army that Solomon had. No, in fact, they're, they're quite in slavery. <laughs> it's shown up in their taxes. It's shown up in their restrictions. Rome right, right now is pillaging whom they will. Rome is at the height of its power. No one can touch it. And God goes to a people whom he loves. He goes to a, 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 a country and a house 
of someone with low estate. And he says, blessed art thou among women. We look at the method of God choosing Mary. The same God who cares for Mary. The same God who saw who she was cares for you and I. And chooses to perform great and mighty works through us of his will. Turn to 1 Corinthians real quick. The book of 1 Corinthians. Paul is writing to the book of Corinth and the church, the church there. And he says in chapter 1 verse 26. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty men, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of this world, God has God's chosen, yea, sorry, and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not to bring not things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according to as it is written, he that glorifieth let him glory in the Lord. It baffles me that other religions revolve their hopes, dreams, and doctrine around a woman who is just like me and you. In every sense of the word. There's a couple of differences. None of you have brought forth children out of virginity. There's a couple of differences. Anybody here married to a carpenter? Not that I know of. Electricians are close. Don't worry. But we're all people that God has chosen to do great and mighty things. I love how God chooses those that seemingly have a small part in the world around them. I love how God finds those that that others would consider not worthless, but less useful than some. I know that in my personal life, I'm continuously amazed at God chose us. He could have chose kings. He could have chose rulers. He could have chose chose anyone he wanted. He could have found the most powerful person in the world at that time, made him greater, made him a stronger ruler over the entire world, and then gave him a son. But no, he chose a woman a spouse to a carpenter to bring glory to his name. God's care toward his children is the reason for praise. That's the whole purpose of this story with Mary. It isn't, it isn't a picture of how great Mary was. It isn't a picture of how wonderfully blessed she was. No, we know she was blessed, but her blessing was simply how God operates to all those who follow him. He does great and mighty works through all who are willing to submit to his blessing. Submit to his work in their lives. The miracle that is Mary is the same miracle God does today that is you.
We were dead in our trespasses and sins, and God sent forth his son, born of a virgin, to die for us, so that what? He might bless us. He might do mighty works through us. A God of power, a God of might, he raises up the dead. He does what he wishes. He does what he wills. He has, he has a control over everything. He knows all, he owns all, and he cares for you. My soul doth magnify the Lord. See, the same God who cared for Mary cares for you and I and chooses to perform those great and mighty works of his will through all those who are humble and those who consider themselves of low degree. I love how it says in Mary's praise toward God, she mentions that he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. God has nothing against rich people. God has nothing against those with wealth. They oftentimes just have no need for God. It's, it's, it's a sad thing in, in this part of the country. If you, if you ever left here for a little bit of time, you realize this is a weird place. No other town operates this way. I was talking to Brother Himes, and he said, when it gets cold, what do they do? I said, they shut the loop down. He was like, you're kidding. I said, nope. If we get like a, an inch and a half of snow, the whole town shuts down. Everyone hops in their car. They go to the grocery store. They raid it, and they get all the eggs and the milk and the cheese and the bread, and it's all gone. Why? Because this is a weird place. People that I talk to from other places are like, yeah, I just got my first apartment. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's about a 1,200 square foot, two bedroom, two bath, and I pay about 500 bucks a month for it. That's a broom closet in a gas station around here. I had a friend of mine just get her first apartment, and she is paying $1,700 for a one-bedroom, one-bath. And I said, move. That's a bad place to be. The mortgage of the houses around here dip inside of full paycheck amounts. It doesn't matter how much you get paid in this town, there's usually not much money left over. And if you get paid more than what you need, there's always other ways to spend your money in this town. We got to go to Lubbock and uh, uh, battle our way through the parking lot of the mall just trying to have lunch at Cheesecake Factory. And my goodness, I got some nasty stairs walking straight through there past rows and rows of families waiting to sit down. But there's only two of us. <laughs> you can put us wherever. We went to the mall and we, we, we battled the throngs just trying to find Christmas gifts for two more people on our list. Lubbock was a buzz. Midlands Mall is a buzz. San Antonio, it's a buzz with people shopping, spending their money however they wish. It's quite easy to say this is a town that has an attitude that doesn't need God. If you knock doors in this town, everyone has a church they go to. Everyone does. They go to such and such, so and so. You know, Stonegate's numbers are down around 30%. Stonegate. Who would have thought? First Baptist is, is down around 20. But people still say, I got a church here. I got a church there. 
Oh, yeah, I have a church to go to. This Sunday, for those places having church, maybe one in three times people go. But they'll still tell you, I go to church. This is a town that doesn't see a need for a savior because it has its salvation in dollar amount. But God is still doing work here. And that tells me there are still people here that God can work through. And I'm looking at them. There are still people in this town that God is desiring to do a work and is desiring to reach those who have a serious need to change their eternal destination. And God looks down at Midland, Odessa, Texas. And God looks down at Southwest Baptist Church and says, I have chosen you to do my great and mighty works. I'm not, I'm not going to read it even though I want to. But you know one of my favorite verses in the Bible, favorite chapters, is Psalm 107. Oh, that men should praise the Lord for his mercy and his, his goodness. I love how it talks about those that, are, 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 have, have, uh, those that go down in the ships because they have business to do in great waters. I love that picture because it feels like it's down here where God has brought us here. God has called us here. God has set up a church years ago. This church has been here almost 17 years now. It's fantastic. The history we have of this location. The, 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 the knowledge and the blood, sweat, and tears that have gone into seeing Southwest go from a patch of mesquite bushes and dirt to three beautiful buildings and a body of believers who seek to serve God. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Can we say that it's obvious that God has care toward his children? It's obvious that God has a purpose toward Southwest. God had a purpose toward Mary. God had a purpose for Elizabeth. God had blessings already lined up for both of them to receive just by obeying his will. And God cares for his children. When God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees, you know what he was thinking? That's going to be Jesus' great, 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 great grandfather. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, slavery, battles, kingships, poverty, usurpations. My goodness, a lot has happened to Israel before an angel says, You, Mary, you're going to bring forth Jesus. A lot has gone in to this time. And all, all I can see when I read the Gospels is, is God's care and God's purpose and God's plan for all those who are near to his heart. Who does God love? Everyone. Who does God care for? Everyone. If God's care toward his children is the reason for their praise, then every Christian has reason to praise God. Mary isn't the only one who can look at this and say, my soul does magnify the Lord. No, Mary should be just a picture of what we should be doing in our lives, seeing God's plan and God's call and God's desire and say, Lord, you're doing this? 
And you want to use us? My soul does praise you, does magnify you. The same God who cares for Mary cares for you and me. The action we see from God in the life of Mary are the same actions that God commits when dealing with us. We look at Mary and her response to being blessed, totally different than, than uh, 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 Zachariah's response, totally different from the, you can't do this, God, I'm old, tricking in years. No, it is more of a, I have limitations, but how will you do this? Show me. And she obeyed, still having doubts. Don't, don't, don't discount that. She had her, her fear, she had her doubts. And God provided a comforter through the Holy Spirit. We need to look and understand that her attitude should be shared by all those who are cared for by God. They say that every, every context needs a perspective. And in, in some, some realms of academic studies, they call it a fallen position kind of one of the, the, the proofs of man's uh, fallibilities. So we're going to see here that the fallen position of this text is that Christians who do not recognize what God has done for them find no need to praise Him. Christians who don't see God's hand in their life oftentimes are Christians who find no need to praise Him for what He's done. So many Christians are like Zechariah. They hear God, but they answer in unbelief. They hear God and they, they, they don't wonder, well, how will you do this? They wonder, how can you? It's not possible. I'm old, stricken in years. I don't know about you, but... When I look at the, the, the miracle of John's birth and the miracle of Jesus' birth, I would say Mary had a little more to overcome than just well and stricken in years. Remember, Zechariah is a priest of the Lord. He knew the story of Abraham. He knew Isaac, the story of him. How Abraham was well stricken in years as well. But his unbelief led to his response toward God. So many Christians respond to God with doubts and unbelief because they don't want to obey Him first. They don't want to just say, yes, Lord, use me as you wish, as Mary responded. Mary's response to God was, Lord, I, I'm yours. As it is in your word, be it according to me. Christians who do not recognize what God has done for them find no need to praise Him. The response of Mary, as we close here, the response of Mary was simply put, my soul doth magnify the Lord. It's almost as if she's saying the works of the Lord are worthy of praise. The things that God has done are worthy of adoration. The wonderful news that is, is God's desire to use me is worthy of my thankfulness. There is a reason to praise for those who obey God. Simply put, thankful people praise God. This is going to be a weird week for folks. 
Emotions are everywhere. Everything has to be perfect. Every dish cooked to perfection. Every present folded just right and wrapped. And people are using skills they haven't used in years. Or at least a year. I don't know about you, but my method for wrapping presents is get it done. I don't care how it looks. That's just me. You ever get a present that looks like it was wrapped by a toddler? That was me. And there are some folks that have the skill to do it. But around this time of season, it's almost as if the slightest mistake could mess up your entire holiday. The turkey gets burned. The duck gets burned. Who eats goose? Anybody eat goose? Nobody? Next year, someone could cook a goose. I want to try some. Everything is, is in high emotions. We get to talk to our staff at Chick-fil-A, and we, we have to remind them every year, this is a hard time for people because the slightest thing upsets their entire day. So smile. Say my pleasure. Tell them to have a wonderful day. Why? Holidays bring out the best and worst in people. They do. Their response differs on the information they're given. Just a few questions will be done for the, the morning. How do you respond to the knowledge that God has chosen you? Just think about it for a second in your heart. You know you're chosen of God. You know that you're not here by accident. No one moves here on a whim. If they do, they don't last long. No one's in Midland, Odessa because it's a cool place to be. No, they have, they have business here. They have reason to be here. But at Southwest Baptist Church, God has chosen us to be a light unto those that have need of a, a, a lit path to him. How do we respond to the knowledge that God has chosen us? Do, do you know that you're his child? That you are set apart? That you, that you are meant to be involved in his will for all mankind? What is the attitude that you have about God's hand on your life? Oh God, God can't do this. There's, there's so many limitations. I'm well stricken in years. I'm uneducated. I'm unmotivated. <laughs> there was a a work crew of teenage boys. They were hired for a day job. They were given shovels and told to dig a sewer pipeline. You know about sewer pipes? They're around this big, sometimes a little bigger, and they're around, around six feet down, around there. They were all given the same job, dig a trench, so deep, so wide. And they all got after it, digging, digging, digging. Well, after a time, motivation begins to wane. Motivation and desire begins to disappear. And as, as the person who hired them walked up to the job site, there were a couple that just kind of decided their shovel was their best buddy. They were leaning upon him, just enjoying the day. And as they walked up, as he walked up, the, the, the foreman simply asked him, what's motivating you to do this job? And how can I add to that motivation? Does his plan for, you, for your involvement in his world-changing activities, does it have a change on your motivation for how you serve God? Candidly, let's be honest, there are sometimes God has to re-motivate 
people. There's sometimes God has to, to, to kind of revisit his children who are slacking off and just deciding this is getting harder than I thought it would. His plan for our involvement in the world-changing activities. Does your heart see God's care and love for you? That's what Mary saw. She saw God's care. She saw God's desire. She saw God's blessings. And her response was, I will praise him. Lastly, do you praise God for what he has done? Or do you praise him for what he will do? That's the difference, in my opinion, between people who see God for who he is. They praise him for who he is and what he will do. As well as what he has done. But more often than not, it's just about what he will do in our lives. Mary's response, is it ours? Is it yours? My soul, my very inner dwelling being doth magnify, doth praise the Lord. What does your soul do when you hear God? When he says to you, I have a plan for your life. When he says to you, I have a purpose for you. When he asks you to do things, is your response, Lord, these are my limitations. Or is your response, yes, Lord. Do you praise him? Does your soul magnify the Lord? Every head bowed, your eyes closed.